Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, uh, you've done your travels around the country seeing ball games in different parks. What stadiums did you hit in the last week? Well, we drove by an Idaho stadium. That doesn't count. That doesn't count? No. But, okay. But, but we did go to Target Field. Uh-huh. Beautiful field. Okay. Not a top five. Is that where you didn't like the shift that they had on defense? Look, there's there's shifts and then there's shifts. <laughs> As I texted you, there was actually a shift at which point I almost had convulsions because there, there was, was nobody There on was the... nobody other than the pitcher and the infield. Did your like family try to disown you for your reaction of that? <laughs> no, most of my reaction was was to you. Okay, okay. <laughs> when well, I when so I, I photographed it. it and it just started gritting for my our, teeth. For going, our Come listeners, on. I got a text message with a photograph, and I could only imagine Jeff's reaction to not enjoying the shift very much at all out there. What other ballpark did you hit? That was it. That was it. Yeah, just one park. Yep. Normally, you you hit lots of parks on your travels. Well, there's there's on on these flights there wasn't that many places to go. It didn't work out for no. you. We did go to the Smurf Turf. Okay. Oh, uh, Boise. So, so we flew into Idaho, stopped at Boise on the way out. We decided that we hit their first practice by accident, but we got to walk into the stadium, and that turf is bluer than blue. I used to love watching those games. Um, back in my college days, I may have been interested in, in placing some funds on said games late night with the Smurf turf. Yeah, uh, it was fun to watch. I enjoyed. Did you did you tool on up to the Giants game yesterday so you could place bets? No, I I'm I'm over the placing bets. You, but you, I did. You weren't happy with me for wanting to watch on the way home. Uh, the preseason game last night. <laughs> we had a third-string quarterback start the game. It, it, all Brandon Graham is sitting there in a red t- a black T-shirt. There's nobody there. It, it makes no sense to me why they have these games. I'd rather have two regular season games at this point and just have some intra-squad scrimmages. I, I'll take any football I can get. All right, you you do that. I'd rather have baseball right now. I know you would. I know. But, but since we didn't have voicemail, mm-hmm. uh, or since we didn't have baseball, baseball yeah. um, I was watching football last night because that's what I wanted to do. If you had the MILB app, you could watch minor league baseball. Well, I thought you were going to be more upset with me, not because I watched the preseason game, but yeah. it was because I didn't even watch the first half. I watched the second half of the <laughs> that game just when meant, I that, got that's home. Really sad. <laughs> so that's I, really sad. I knew you weren't going to approve mm. of of my choice I there. I do. I'd rather you watch ESPN The Ocho. Well, that was pretty cool yesterday. It was. <laughs> I went on all day. So, so what did you watch? Uh, not enough of it. I was working, unfortunately. You didn't watch the cup stacking? No, but or, I heard... Or the juggling dodgeball? I... I enjoyed all the different stuff that you guys that they had on there yesterday. It, it was definitely interesting to to watch. There there was one sport, and I'm using air quotes, um, but it was a guy juggling with four people throwing dodgeballs at it. And at one point, a guy is juggling and getting hit in the face by a dodgeball, and still juggled. Nothing says sports like getting hit in the face <laughs> with a dodgeball. Um, let's talk Phillies a little bit before we, or let's talk Eagles a little bit before we get into the Phillies. So, um, they lost their first game. It's, you know, 31-14. The final score really isn't the issue of the game. Uh, some, some good points. You know, Sudfeld started, Foles, uh, out with his neck on the bench. Um, you know, he was 10 of 14 in terms of what he did. Pretty efficient. 
Dallas Goddard definitely stood out. Did you, did you see any of Dallas Goddard, Jeff? No, I told you I didn't watch. Okay, well, he looks like a player. Uh, he based, based on what? Based on any measure that you have, uh, he does not drop. I'm not doubting. <laughs> he that had he's... his first drop, which was unfortunate, but oh, generally no. he doesn't drop the the football. Corey you know Clement, how serious I'm taking Corey this. Clement looked pretty good, and and Wendell Smallwood ran well. My question to you is: Donnell Pumphrey didn't draft last night. Is he going to make this team? I I don't know. I, I, I really look. All, all I can tell you is I didn't think he was good when they drafted him. And at this point, where do you have them? Well, who are your running backs at this well, point? Well, that's they you have got, depth you, in right? the backfield finally, and and they drafted the running back out of Notre Dame in addition to, you know, to, to having Sproles back there, and I mean they've got kind of a glut of people. Jay Ajayi is going to get carries in time. Clement's going to get time. So I, I don't know where he fits and what role he plays. He doesn't seem like he's really the special teams guy. He's not big enough for it. They had Clement back there yesterday. I, I don't know how he makes So I, I don't see where there's a place for him. I, I, I don't get it. Um, and he wasn't dressed yesterday. Sh- so Shel- what's the reason for that? Uh, injury? Did you? I haven't heard anything about him being injured. I don't and know. And that would, that would lead me even to be more concerned if he's not injured and they didn't have him playing yesterday. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Then um, again, it was August, checking my watch, August 9th yesterday. It's August. I know, but he needs all Let's the time. Let's not worry. He about needs it. all the time on the field he can get. I he, don't know. If I, he's going to make the team, he's got to be on the field. He's got to show them that he can play and stay healthy. Well, for him, yes. Yes. For most of the guys. Not no. for you as a fan, but right. for him. Yeah. To ma- I was just more asking for him as a player in his place on the team. Sheldon Gibson had a pretty good game. Practice. Uh, didn't look anywhere close to this in preseason last year or anything. 116 yards catching on three touches with a nice bomb for 63 yards from Sudfeld that he caught running. Mm-hmm. Nice to see, again, against a guy who'll be bagging groceries next week. So take it for what it is. Sidney Jones was on the field. He was. He, so twe- he good, tweaked that's... his ankle, which probably scared everybody in the Delaware Valley. Here, here, here's how I can make everybody feel better. He's not on the Sixers. Oh, God. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, how does that happen? I hate to get you off of football on, on oh, August 10th, you're... but... But let's face it, we, we, we've also had the heartache or footache now of our fifth potential red shirt in a row. I thought that just officially made him a sixer. Yeah, it did. Uh, I mean, he's now real now. And you know we're not going to find out what really is going on until maybe after next season. So no, he may be there. He may not be no, there. definitely not. He may not. play a couple games. He may not play a couple games. We don't really need him this year. We'll see. Definitely not going to be able to find out what's going on. Cameron Johnson, did you see uh, any highlights of his punting? He had an 81-yard punt that was called back for a penalty. I'm holding up my hands now. Well, the question about him is his consistency. Can he be consistent enough to be the new the new punter and, and replace Donnie Jones and what was there? So, I mean, to see him do it consistently. Did Donnie Jones retire? Uh, why do you ask me these questions on the air? Well, because, like... I don't know of punters just retiring. They seem to last when they're good enough until they're like, you know, he was 65, re- 70 years old. He was released, but he decided not to retire. Like, has Sean Lindetta retired yet? He's probably still <laughs> coming back. Actually, he announced his retirement on February 27th. So he, there did, you go. he did retire. There you go. Appreciate you Happy retirement. making me look like I don't know what I'm talking about on the air. Mal- uh, Malcolm Jenkins and Fletcher Cox did look ready to play. Um, I don't want to get very into the anthem issue, but it's clearly going to be back this season, Jeff. Um, Malcolm Jenkins raised his fist in the end. 
Um, Devontae Busby also did that. Chris Long put his arm around his shoulder while they did that. In Miami, you had players take knees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the president today said that they should no, be no. suspended without pay. No. Um, this issue is not going away. And you can put your hand over your face. But this is going to come up regularly. Would it help if I put my hand over my heart? I, I did <laughs> I didn't say we have to talk about it regularly, but I wanted to point no, out not, that – look, like, I'm not blaming you. Like I'm, Malcolm Jenkins had stopped raising his fist last year because he thought that this was going in a direction that was positive. It would have. If, I, I blame the owners. If, if, if they would have just not done anything – The owners why is reignited it, this issue. Why is it that the NBA can get together with their players and agree on this? And have the players express themselves and understand the position. But the NFL owners think that the only way to deal with this is to threaten and cajole. And then they don't follow through anyway. So so what is it about the NFL? Is, is it that the owners are different than other sports owners? Is it the commissioner that's there? Where is the disconnect that this keeps happen, happening? Because the guys yesterday that did it, are the guys that won on their teams or were were found on their teams to be the great citizens? These are not bad guys. These are guys that were the the citizen of the year, whatever the award is that in they the, keep having. In the argument over this issue, that point becomes irrelevant. It it is extremely relevant, and it's what it's all about. But unfortunately, the issue is clouded by the fact that they are not standing, or they are raising a fist, or whatever they are doing. And it's it's getting somebody's attention, and that's 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 what they're doing. So mm-hmm. I I don't know how they're going to solve this issue. I really don't know how they're going to solve the issue at all. I don't think they can. I think that the owners should just be quiet at this point and and figure it out some other way. But they're mm-hmm. afraid of of the president attacking them. I mean that's clearly what it is. Mm-hmm. They are afraid of the president using his platform. To attack them, and that's what happens when you try and react, and you're not proactive about this. The NBA has been proactive about this. The NFL has been completely reactive from the start. They refused to embrace it at the beginning. And look, this is not over with Kaepernick. That conf- that collusion issue is still going. So this is going to stay in the headlines whether we like it or not. So I I don't know what's going on at the current moment. Todd was supposed. Todd's lucky was supposed to join us. So he may at some point join us, but we I guess we can break the news that's already been broken. Sure. Gonna, which is the Phillies got another piece. They did get another bat. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about who they got here? So they got Justin Bohr, who is a, a masher. Um, he was last year, he was the guy, if you watch the Home Run Derby, that just he barely lost to his teammate at the time. Mike Stanton. 22 home runs and got donuts in the middle of his. Yeah, and I think that was they were trying to slow him down a little bit. But <laughs> <laughs> but, but I don't know. It, it seems like a good move. The, the, the person that they traded him for, I think it was Cash and Mackenzie Mills. Mackenzie Mills. No, no, they a, got Cash. So what, oh, they what, got Cash. What was going to happen is the Marlins were going to waive him. They were yeah. going to waive board. They didn't want to pay the salary. And so Derek Cheaters is making a great impression. The Phillies there, put a, a claim in and did a, a waiver trade for him and got cash and him for the pitcher. So that that was how it worked out in terms of how they got him. But I'm right. going to ask you the question that I would have asked Todd. Yeah. Where does everybody play now? Like he's a first baseman. Carlos uh-huh. Santana's at first base. He's right. not moving to someplace else on the infield. Mm-hmm. 
is well, he was a catcher <clears> at one point, but that's not going to solve the problem because Wilson Ramos is is going to be there, going to come back and be your, your catcher. What happens to Kingery? I think Kingery goes down. Uh, I've long th- since thought that Kingery needs to find a position. I think he had a position, which is second base, but the Phillies are blessed with having Cesar Hernandez there. So I think that what you do at this point is it's clear that he's. I don't know if burnt out's the right word, but it's a long season. He's struggling. Yeah, and and he clearly is, and he's not getting to play every day, and he's not getting to play in the position that he's most comfortable in. Um, so if I'm the Phillies at this point, I send Kingery down. Crawford's re- being reinstated. So then what you have is you have Santana at first, I guess, or off the bench. Um, you have Caesar at second. You have Crawford and as Drupal playing short, and you have Franco at third. And I, and I so your bench got exponentially better over the last two weeks, right? So while we, we were waiting for the big deal and we wanted Manny Machado, as Drupal Herrera amazingly has, I think, hit more home runs than Machado has in the period of time since Machado was traded. So we'll see what happens. It, I just wonder where everybody is going to fit when all these players are healthy and they're all on the roster. And what do some of the, like, what does Bohr do and then Cabrera do defensively? Are they going to continue to have the one of the worst defenses to watch? I mean, some of the, the mistakes yes, and plays. Yes, you are. Uh, and you, you're going to have to make a decision because I can make the defense, I think, substantially better by merely putting Quinn in, assuming he stays healthy, and that's always what you well, want Well, you want Quinn to play every day for I a do, little while. I do, because I think he's a better center fielder. I think he brings more to base running. Is this brought on by a frustration over Odubel's mental mistake? Well, it's both. I, I mean, look, if Odubel has the potential to be a superstar, and he his own lapses, mental lapses, get in his way. He is his own worst enemy. I know that's an overused phrase, but... There is no better person it applies to than Odubel. And if he's going to hit like he's hit the second half of the season so far, it's been dreadful. So why not put Quinn in and have Odubel off of the bench? Now, the problem with that is whether Odubel starts to sulk, right? So, Well, wasn't that, that the concern when Odubel sat the first game of the season? Yeah, but that was that was one game. Okay, now you're, my, my suggestion would be that Quinn starts for seven, for seven straight games or so and see how it goes. Um, I don't think you lose anything and I think you have a potential upside as a spark. What's your batting order if you put Quinn in at center field and now you've got, well, my, bat, my batting order is never going to be what, <clears throat> what they're doing because I, I don't know if I would ever put Hoskins at, at two. second. I don't understand that. I still don't yeah. understand that. I mean, he's hitting well, but I just don't understand that positioning in the lineup. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you want somebody. Look, Reese Hoskins is, he hits for average for the most part. He hits for power. So I guess you moving him up one spot helps with that. If they had a traditional leadoff and second guy, then it would be much better. The problem is Odubel doesn't fall into any of those spots, which is why he's now moved, been moved down to six. If if Quinn were playing, I would have Quinn batting first and have Caesar batting second. That's the lineup that, I like because then you put yeah, speed on the bases exactly. for your hardier lineup. And not only that, that potential, the fear of the movement on the bases. Gets the pitcher out of sync. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And, and it creates more 
run scoring opportunities for your bats. Now, what do the analytics say on that, Jeff? I don't know. <laughs> why, why don't you Why don't you ask Jason Worth? Because he certainly had something to say about it. He's not a week. fan of analytics. He called them nerds, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a nice word. It's something the, uh, like the ones that. that he used. But but I I kind of agree with him. Only to the extent scouting is so important, and I mean we'll talk about that in a little bit because we're going to have uh, a scout a scout extraordinaire on. But I I think that they rely too much on analytics, and as long as baseball's rules don't catch up with it, then that's what we're going to continue to have. Like I strongly believe Ryan Howard didn't get much worse. I think that the shift killed Ryan Howard's career. And I, and I believe that with a lot of these guys. Look, I don't like Bryce Harper even a little bit, but I think the reason that Bryce, Bryce Harper is not hitting for average is because now everybody plays on one side of the. Did you see him not run out the ball for the the other day? The like winning runs coming around to score, and he's like loafing it out in the outfield. Yeah, he's can you kinda, imagine what the reaction would be from Phillies fans if he did that here? Uh, <laughs> that was the first. You know thing what that they I would do? Of. They would probably call Cole Hamels up when the Phil when the Phillies played the Cubs again and say, "Hey, can you peg him again?" And look, here's the thing: <laughs> it would give us plenty to talk about on yeah. the air here. Oh and yeah, we, and we could talk about you know how you should play sports and effort and everything like that. We could make it into our show topic. Mm-hmm. That would light up radio stations if he loafed it in the outfield here and and a winning run was coming around to score. I'm just watching it going, my God, if he ends up in Philly, that is not going to be well. I don't, I don't think you think he will. No, I don't. I, I don't. I don't. I, I think that somebody else will pay him more money than mm-hmm. the Phillies. Well, I think the Phillies want to go after who they wanted at the deadline. So you still think Machado's the guy that they're going to target? I think that's who they want. I'm not saying that's who they should necessarily get or go for because I think one of their biggest holes is their defense. Well, he, well, so and he's not going to help their defense. Right. So, so it's like having a Struble there, only a younger one. But then you get into the struggle of, you know, their their bats were basically silent in Arizona. Mm-hmm. It's like seven runs. Well, it's one, it's one or the other. It's not even based on whether the pitcher is good or bad. One day they can have just a great game and hit four or five home runs in a game. and The next just, day they can't make contact right, and they got it, full, three it's, errors. It's inconsistency, and I don't know if that inconsistency comes from the way the lineups are drafted. I don't know if it comes from immaturity and that they're, they're I think, the youngest team in the major leagues right now. So if if you have that, the question is whether or not you you push it out and hope that this goes away, the, at least the inconsistency. Like Franco, are, are you now convinced that Franco is the answer at third base for the future? No, I'm not. Uh, and I I mean Why? I want what what what. First of all, his helmet hasn't fallen off in months, Look, which is great. I asked you about this at the start of the season. <laughs> yeah. If Santana coming in and the work that he was doing could make him into a better, more comfortable, calm player. The second part of the season, he's been much more of that. The first half, I think he was still trying too hard. So I'd like to see him keep doing it before I make a decision. I'm still not totally sold on him as the long-term solution, right. especially with the other pieces that they have in the organization where they still don't know how this puzzle is going to fit together. Mm-hmm. They've got all these pieces, and we had talked about the optionality of the players and can you build a team where you can – they're interchangeable pieces and parts. They're not. Or they're, they're not. They're going mm-hmm. more towards having a specific piece of the puzzle that fits with the other pieces. Baseball's not basketball. I, I don't think that baseball's ever going to get to the point where you can have it like basketball where you can play three, four positions. It, it just doesn't work. I, I appreciate the fact that they have incredibly athletic players. But it's, it's – baseball's about muscle memory. It's about instinct. 
And if you're used to playing even once one side versus the other, if you ask a an outfielder what it's like to play left field and then right field, it's a totally different position. And people don't realize it unless you go stand out there that reading a ball off of a bat is not easy. Where and do it, they put the kid that doesn't know what to do? Which which part of the field is that? They put him in right field. That's where I would end Which up. doesn't make any <laughs> sense to me because once kids can hit it in the outfield, you want kids out there that can catch. All right, that's so a different I'm going to ask you about yeah. a position, um, pitching. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to go bullpen and then starting. Should mm-hmm. I be concerned about Sir Anthony Dominguez and what I've seen from the Phillies' bullpen at times lately? I'm not concerned about Sir Anthony Dominguez. I'm concerned about how they're, they were using him. If you look at his when he, his ERA, I think, is below one on days he has had a day at least a day off. On days that he's pitched back-to-back, that second one, I think his ERA is close to nine. Well, why don't they just alternate him and Nisha? Because he doesn't throw back-to-back <laughs> days. So just slot one in for one day and one in for the other day. Well, as long as you have pitchers that can go six, seven innings, then you're fine with it. The pro- I think the weak link in here is Tommy Hunter. I was going to say, did you, see the story? did you see the story this week that the scouts did not want Tommy Hunter? Yeah, but the analytics The, the analytics, analytics guy, people overruled them. I would be willing to bet you... Um, that if you asked certain scouts if they wanted loop, the answer would probably be no. But but the analytics people thought that with a not-so-solid defense, that what you want is a guy who's a higher strikeout guy, and loop is a Less higher striker balls. guy. Yeah, and that, that's not working fewer either. ground balls. I mean, I, th- I don't think that loop will end up on the postseason roster. I think that I still think that Neris may be the guy that's coming back. That's going to give me heart palpitations. Well, well not, game, not, not if... games didn't matter. No, well, no, because what, what they're saying is Neris was tipping his pitches. And it was the, he was holding his hands different. Neris only has two pitches. So if you tip your pitches and you're a batter and you know that it's not going to be one, it's going to be the other, it makes it a whole lot easier. So if they fix that problem, that's, that's half the battle. The second half of the battle is in his head. Again, he's he's one of those guys who's, you know, and and rightfully so, his his morale was down by the time he was sent down. Well, but I he's mean, doing he's only given up runs in one I think one outing since he's been sent down. So do you have confidence in that? And a team that's making a run, look, they're in first place right now. They're a game up on the Braves. They're what four and a half up on the Nationals. Nationals. Do you have confidence and feel comfortable coming down the stretch with a bullpen that has that's Tommy Hunter load, and or Hector question. Neris there with the Pat Mishek or Anthony Dominguez what team, debacle? What team is perfect other than probably the Red Sox at this point? Seriously, everybody's got weaknesses. Okay, On a 25-man roster, everybody's got weaknesses. Phillies have a bunch of them. <laughs> Everybody does, but the Phillies are in first place right now. They are. And, and, well, they're way ahead of schedule. So with with this and and the holes that they had are getting a little better. I wasn't thrilled with the Esdrubal Cabrera move, but it's working out. Uh, with Bohr coming, if if the plan is to that move was a Bohr, monster home run he hit the other night. Yeah, well, I I think I told you I was away when he hit that home run, and I got my notification on the phone. It just said Esdrubal Cabrera, <laughs> you, you and thought I he had, hit it against the Phillies. <laughs> I cursed because I immediately thought it was off the Phillies because I've seen that. <laughs> and then I was like, "Yay, he's on our team now." I so, think that's why they got Jeff Bohr today <laughs> because he was. Yeah, he's, an, he's, he's another, another one that just killer. killed the Phillies. Right. So, so they're just taking all the players that beat them. Exactly. All the time. Who cares if they play as long as they don't play against us, right? <sighs> so starting pitching is yeah. this is this going to hold up? I mean, I worry about Pavetta 
is my problem. He's that your weak worry. link in yeah. the rotation. Even though in the playoffs you move to a three-man rotation, which or likely four. Eflin would be in mm-hmm. the three spot with Arietta and Nola. Yeah. But do you do you worry about Pavetta or Velasquez at this point, who had a rough outing last Both. time? But his, I know you worry about Vinny all the time. Mm-hmm. But other than his last outing, he's pitched rather well yep. lately, mm-hmm. like much more than. Oh, the, it's imp- it's been impressive. I mean, he still has that one inning where you want to bang your head against your seat because because he he'll throw twenty six pitches, but. As long as he doesn't try, I worry when his strikeout total gets high because then I think he gets in this groove of wanting to strike everybody out. When he gets through a couple innings throwing 12 or 13 pitches, I get all excited because I'm like, all right, now he's figured out he's pitching, he's not throwing. The question is whether he cannot get caught up in, in the strikeout thing. Do you think he can? He's, You know what? He's he's looked mature on the mound. He looks like he's he's got a rhythm going. I'm happy with what I see. I still don't see him as a long-term starter. I don't see Pavetta as a long-term starter. But for the season, for four and five guys, that's pretty good. And I still believe that Jared Eikhoff is going to be here sooner yeah, rather than later. You have confidence in that. Now, he pitched three innings yesterday at Clearwater. Uh, I didn't see him pitch. He gave up a couple runs. But if he's healthy and he can get it together, remember, he had some nasty stuff. I don't know if they put him back in the rotation in September. They've they've been going with what they had. Mm -hmm. We have a a couple minutes before we hit the break. Uh, We'll try and find Todd at some point. But I just wanted to to move on real fast. Uh, We'll maybe we'll give him a call. But I wanted to before we hit the break. I just wanted to ask you: Did you see Brian Dawkins' Hall of Fame speech? I did. You know, it was touching. You know how big of a Brian Dawkins I know you are. fan I am. Yeah. The only player name I ever put on the back of a jersey was Brian Dawkins. What he did, and you know I have strong opinions about athletes raising their voice and raising awareness about mental health challenges. His conversations about depression and thoughts of suicide and reaching out to people and letting them know that their life is worth it did so much for so many people to normalize some of the stigmas around it. And a player like him, who everybody views as that tough guy, he was the big hitter. He was, mm-hmm. he had the same problem. So being a tough guy doesn't mean that you, you can't have those challenges. And I, I just wanted to mention that. I think it's really important that, that some of these athletes are really starting to raise their voice and talk about the struggles that they go through. Because you watch these people on TV and they seem larger than life and you think they're so successful and they're smiling for the cameras and you don't know what happens when they go behind closed doors into the locker room, when they go home at night, Mm -hmm. what thoughts they have, what they decide to do, how they medicate themselves to get through potentially what they have going on. And to hear some of these athletes bringing it up and talking about it and in a way that that is non-judgmental, it's it's factual. No, and other people came out afterwards and started talking about it and saying that they suffered from a similar similar issues. And and I think that when when people like Brian talk about it, I think it's good for everyone. Look, I I I'm very honest with you, I suffered from anxiety growing up and I always looked at it as a weakness. Like it was something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And to have these athletes out there saying it's not you. It's it's life. Mm-hmm. It's you're not alone. You're not the only one. I think we'll do so much to help people. Just just to have them realize that they aren't alone, that the person that they watch on TV every week has some of those same thoughts and challenges. And it doesn't matter that they get a huge paycheck. 
they come home at night and have the same thoughts as the person who has those struggles during the day. So you're saying that they shouldn't just shut up and dribble? Look, you know my thoughts. Mm-hmm. I think that athletes can can play such a vital role on every level, um, from lessons to um, encouraging young people to um, everything. It, it's just, you know, you may you may say athletes shouldn't be your heroes, but the fact mm-hmm. is that people look up to the people that they see on TV. People look up to the people that they see on that have these high profile positions. And the more that you can have people in these high profile positions talking about these very serious issues, saying it's okay to talk about these issues. Like that's the first part. Nobody even brings it up. So to have these athletes just bring it up, just say this isn't taboo. This isn't something that we can't talk about. This doesn't mean that you're not a strong person or a tough person. Yeah, they, they, he's using his the platform he has for good. I, I think he did more in one weekend on that platform. And he was a great player that did so much in life. But he impacted so many people he will never talk to just by the words he chose to use on the platform that he was given. And I, I just really wanted to... To talk about it because it hit me. You know how much I like him mm-hmm. as a player. I didn't think I could like the guy anymore. And seeing how honest and open he was there, just spilling his emotions out over it, really meant a lot to me. Yeah, I'm going to bring you down now because because the, the exact before we go to break, the ex, the exact opposite of that is was Ray Lewis. Yes, his Ray, speech. Ray, Ray Lewis is is so full of. You, Believe me, whatever you want to put in there. You're not a fan. Uh, no. The, the whole thing that he did without the, the microphone stand, and the, it, it's all contrived. And if anybody wants to know anything about Ray Lewis, go look online and see what Ray Lewis did. I'll okay? let you leave it there. I was going to try and have the high note. Uh-huh. I, I, I just I think it's important that we not let that pass, that we not seize the opportunity as, as hosts on a show when athletes give us the opportunity to use our platform as well to talk about it. Yeah. I think we shouldn't let those chances go by. All right. In the meantime, we'll have Todd on in some, I think, some future date. But I'd like to thank the Phillies for making the trade right before we went on air because <laughs> it gave Todd something to do. And Reese Hoskins decided to propose right before we went on air. So Todd's air. got a lot so to write to, about. Todd's got a lot to write about. So uh, we'll probably have him on in the near future. Well, but uh, we will hit a never break. Never a slow day on a Friday. We will hit a break and come back with the uh, High Hopes Phillies minor league rundown. And we're going to talk with pretty much one of the top international scouts that you've got that's involved in the Philly system who's found a lot of names you're real familiar with. Stick yeah. with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at one 337 3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon residential landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the Heart of Sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4 p.m.
Welcome back to the High Hopes Phillies Minor League Rundown. Jeff, you ready to talk a little minor league baseball? Anytime, anywhere. You're always ready to talk minor league baseball. And there's only one month left in the season, so people don't realize that it ends around Labor Day except for playoff. But when it comes to the Phillies, right now we got not one, but not two, but three teams that are possibly going to make the playoffs. The Iron Pigs are like eight games ahead. They're they're long gone. They're gonna win. They're gonna win theirs. The Blue Claws already won the first half, so they made it. And they're in first place in the second half. So if you're wondering what happens if you win both halves, is the team that comes. Do you in play second. each other? <laughs> yeah, they do a split squad. Split squad game, yeah. and then they come back together for the finals. Play and, your own players. And the Threshers have made a move because they keep getting all the Blue Claws pitchers. Um, David Parkinson just went up since he can't lose it at single A. He's been great. He has. Will Stewart pitched well again. Yes, he did. It's your boy. He had another five shutout innings, and then it started raining, so easy win. It, it's been fun to, to watch some of these players start to develop, and it's it's funny. I get worried every time who the Phillies are going to trade in terms of a minor leaguer now that we follow them and, and know them a little bit better. So, you know, to, to watch what's going on in the system, you've got some players coming back. You mentioned Eikhoff in the last segment. He came back and pitched a couple innings the other day. Uh, Altair is now down at Lehigh Valley. Do you, do you think there's a chance that Altair comes back up this season? This or? season, no. He's I just... mean, I, look. Let me let me rephrase that. He he'll come back up for after September when they expand the rosters, but I don't think that he's going to be on the playoff. I, I don't know what they're going to do with it when they expand. Who knows? Um, do you like the the, the custom name stuff that's going on this weekend around the leagues i like it when people are creative i don't like it like pavetta just used pavetta nishak just used nishak like i like the fact like nicky dubs is is nick williams i think that's the winner for me you got big fella and bigger fella you got you got a king i like brad i like like brad buxberger's jersey well that's because you like emojis he's using emojis he has no names no nothing on there he's just got a box and a burger so that was creative minor league teams do some cool stuff though in terms of what they do and what's going on but let's let's talk about not well you're right about that except i did see and i cannot remember which team it was did some genius thing that was oj simpson's night so it was no the simpsons but you were shooting or oranges oh, into something? no. How classless could you be? Oh, no. Yeah. That's no. So sometimes they just go a little off the, the edge. I wish you would have told me that before the show started because I didn't want to have a reaction on the air of, oh, no, like that. Well, you should have gone, dope. <laughs> right? Dope. <laughs> um, Lehigh Valley, let's let's talk about where they are right now. You got, you got Cole Irvin. You've got Ranger Suarez there. You've got the, the pitchers still doing well. Uh, Hector Nares, you said he, they think that they found something there with him. Where do we stand in terms of players that are sort of on the, the precipice? You got Joey Manessas that it's just hitting the cover off the ball. Yeah. Well, he's not coming up now because you got Justin Bohr, right? So, so, so where is he going to? He's a trade piece, I guess. I mean, I'm, you got Santana for another year. Boers, do they have Boer through 2020, right? He's through 2020. Right. So that's two years. I just, you know, you wonder. They, they, it's funny. They went and you from, got, And you got guys below that. 
Remember, they, you got Derek Hall, you got Austin Listy, so got Ortiz. So, yeah, you got, I mean, you got all kinds. You got of a lot guys. of first basemen. Yeah, you got all kinds of guys. But we have the man on the air right now to ask. Who's about probably this. responsible for a lot of the first basemen? Why, why don't you ask him and introduce him, Jeff? So uh, we have Sal. Sal, you on the line? Absolutely. I'm hey, here. Sal, how you doing? Sal. I'm doing fantastic. Everything's going well. How you guys doing? Well, Sal, we're, we're gonna we're gonna punt on this. So can you pronounce your last name? Jeff didn't want to screw <laughs> yeah, up on I've you. Got, I've got Stanelli. I'm, I'm Irish. See, I would have been right if we would have said that, but Jeff didn't. Jeff didn't want to screw it up on the air, so we let we let him go. <laughs> it's with that. all fine. Believe me. So, so Sal Sal is joining us. Uh, he is the director of international scouting. And is responsible for a lot of the guys that that we have seen and see and probably will see in the future. I'm just going to read you the headline of a story that I found when I was doing a little research. Sal is the story of how an undersized Long Island catcher became one of the most influential <laughs> men in professional baseball. What do oh, you think God. when you see that headline? Nah, I, I think that's overrated. <laughs> I really don't. I don't think that about me at all. Nah, I'm just, well, Jeff I'm just doesn't get headlines like that, so <laughs> we take what we can get. <laughs> I think somebody paid that guy a lot of money, one of my family members. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, as a matter of fact, that's what the last name of was the person who said it, right? There you go. <laughs> so... Another Italian. We we wanted to get back. I mean, you have uh, discovered and and helped develop so many of the players in the Philly system. And I just had the most basic question: What do you do looking at a fourteen, fifteen, sixteen year old to determine and and play out the fact that they are going to have the tools? I mean, I saw what you said about Sir Anthony Dominguez when you saw him in two thousand eleven. You know, he was throwing yeah. 87, 88, but, but you recognized his body and his sinker on his fastball. What is it that you look for in a player when you want to try and have that fit? Well, you know, first and foremost, I want to say it comes with the staff that I have. You know, the guys that, you know, uh, when I when I originally took the job in 1997, I was fortunate enough to know, you know I had played 11 years in the minor leagues, and I, I know a, a friend of mine, Chalau Mendez, who's our Venezuelan. He's like my right-hand man. Um, he knew many people in Latin America. You know, I knew many people from playing in the minor leagues, but obviously I didn't know everyone within the context of, you know, each country. But Chalau is a, you know, well, well respected, well known man in, in Venezuela, Dominican. They all knew him. The Cubans knew him. So I was fortunate enough to have him come in. And then, you know, me and him over the years, we built a staff together, you know, Carlos Salas and all the guys. I don't want to miss any of the guys' names, but. It all starts with those guys because without our guys and the Philadelphia Phillies allowing me to hire the guys that we needed to put in place, you know, we wouldn't, we, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to be humble, but the bottom line is without those guys finding and digging these guys out, they show them to us and we try to make good decisions. But, you know, once they show them to us, I think what it is, I, you know, I kind of, you know, impress on all the guys to make sure that, you know, we see these guys many multiple times to make sure we get to know the guys, make sure they can hit, you know, from an offensive standpoint, you know, make sure a guy like Freddie Galvez or Cesar Hernandez or, you know, Domingo Santana VR or any of the guys that we've signed over the years, you know, that have come out to Franco. you like, you know, Kobe Perez pushed me on Franco. He really liked me. I've seen him many times. So, you know, and, you know, once I see him and he may have a bad day, but then they got to push me to say, look, he had a bad day. So, there's a lot that goes into it, and I want to just give credit to a lot of the guys that, that work in the field. And, you know, I mean, obviously, I've been fortunate enough to sign up, you know, many of the big league players on the team, but they have a lot to do with it. And that's, it's not only me, you know what I mean? So, 
basically, that's number one. But number two is, you know, what do I see on a Serranthony Dominguez? Um, basically, I'm a big arm action and delivery guy. When I see a guy, you know, right away, the first thing I look is, is, is he going to have command of the zone? Is, is his arm going to work? Is he going to be able to, you know, be big enough and strong enough to, you know, to, to be durable enough to, for, for the Philadelphia Phillies to use him at the big league level? Um, can he spin a slider or a curveball? And um, does he have movement on his fastball? So there's a lot of things that go into it. And I'm sorry, I don't want to make you a know, dissertation, but that's basically what I look for, you know, as far as the pitch is concerned. So, so when you're looking at a hitter, like, like over the right. last last few years, like Carlos Carlos Toki, Carlos Toki right. was a guy Tochi. that Toki, yeah, I saw him at Lakewood for I think three years, <clears throat> and and he he was thin as a pencil, but he clearly yeah. showed talent. How, how do you find a guy who's playing against other guys that aren't necessarily major league level, and figure that 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 16 year old who hasn't gone through his his growth spurt is going to develop a body who's going to be able to handle 162 games, be able to hit for average, and maybe hit for power. Like, how do you figure that out? You know, believe it or not, it's a lot of it goes into looking at the mom and dad. You know, a lot of times you look at them, you know, um, you say to yourself, okay, um, I'm looking at the dad, the dad's 6'3", 220 pounds, he's got a good body, the mom, you know, the whole nine yards is, you know, a lot of it's genetics. Um Carlos happens to be a guy that it took a long time. It's taking a long time. Now he's with Texas. Um, when I saw Carlos, he had unbelievable back control. He had good contact skills. He was a six-six runner at the time, and he was a fantastic center fielder. So at that juncture, you know, I took a shot on a guy, and I said to myself, you know what? Um, I really like this guy's back control. I said if everything happens and, you know, all the stars align, if he gains 20 or 30 pounds, you know, by the time he's 15 or 16, he'll wind up being a guy. Um, it took him a little longer. Obviously, he's still about a 175. He's playing. He's not, you know, you got rule five. And, you know, so a lot of it's, you know, genetics and a lot of it's just protecting. You know what I mean? Can you talk about the expansion and the effort that the Phillies have put into um, having more of an international program, the expansion of the Dominican facilities, and, and what you've been able to do in terms of, basically creating a pipeline. I mean, Jeff and I have gone around, spent the summer going to a bunch of the different minor league teams in the Philly system, and, I mean, you got players from all over the place there, and you helped to find them. Can you talk about the expansion of that program in the Philly system? Well, you know, obviously, you know, we need resources. And um, number one, you know, you know, Don Middleton, you know, the whole, everyone that's involved, I mean, from the top down, you know, Andy McPhail, Matt Clintac, Ryan Minetti, all these guys, you know, you know, and going back with Benny Looper and Ruben, I mean, they put a lot of money into, you know, allowing me, trusting me to put a new facility. We have the most state-of-the-art facility in, in Dominican Republic right now. Uh, Brian Minetti came over last year. We put together an unbelievable, uh, you know, in, um, Asian program. Right now we have some of the top scouts in Asia. We just added almost seven, eight scouts in Asia. We've added more scouts in Latin America. You know, we're doing more in Colombia. Um, we still we're one of the only two teams to have a academy in Venezuela. Um, we're you know we're big in Venezuela. All that can't be done without the backing of the organization, and they fully backed us up. And you know we were fortunate enough. If you look at our team, you know to get guys like you know Galvez and 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 uh, what's his name? Uh, excuse me, uh, Cesar. losing track of Cesar Hernandez yeah. and 
you know, obviously Blue's is Nuno Cabrera, but we have a lot of guys, uh, you know, uh, you know Herrera, and uh, you know we have uh, uh, Uribe Ramos. Um, there's a lot. We have a big culture of Venezuelans, and you know we want to be good in every country. And I think whether it's the United States, you know, Latin America, the Asian countries, the Philadelphia Phillies are completely engaged in trying to get the Phillies to be the top. So we, you know, we don't need any facilities. We're getting backing from resources, and right now, thank God that they've given us an opportunity to go out and do this, and it's you know been a blessing. You know, I've noticed that with the Phillies, they do seem to be putting more into scouting at a time where I get concerned. See, I don't believe in analytics as much as a lot of people do. I believe that there's right. a place for it, but I believe that, that the human eye and, and scouts are more important to the game. And I noticed the other day the Mariners, I think, cut 10 scouts from from their system. Yeah. What is it about the Phillies that, that they're trusting in the process of scouting and using analytics versus just diving in and analytics replacing scouting? Well, you know, first and foremost, I mean, it's really important that we look at, you know, overall analytics is a fantastic tool for us to use. I mean, I always thought it was, you know, whether, you know, we always need to find out the on-base percentage. We need to know things about the kids. And, you know, the numbers tells us a lot about the kids, but also your eyes tell you something also. So I think, from the both perspectives, the more if we have analytics, we have a great combination of, you know, you know, old time scouts and we have good new young guys that are giving us information and together we make the decisions. I mean, Matt's been fantastic with that. He takes us, he, he listens to what we have to say. He takes the numbers and he, and, and then he comes up with a, you know, with a good, you know, a good decision at the end of the day. And I think we really do. We need the numbers. We need good scouts. And I think at the end of the day, if you utilize both of them, we're gonna we're gonna make good decisions. That's just my opinion. I, I truly believe that. You know what I mean? I really do. How do you, as a scout, not fall in love with the idea of somebody? I, I watch people all the time, and, and it happens ourselves. We watch players, and you see them perform really well one time, and and it's kind of an anomaly. That's not who they are. How do you make sure you, you don't fall in love and really do your due diligence to get some of the players that you've been able to identify? Is that a, a difficult process for you, or is it something that after all these years you're just kind of – you look at it and you're like, oh, he's got it. He doesn't. You know what? You know what? The, that's a really good question. And the reason why it's a great question is because there's a lot of parts to scouting that people probably in the general audience, they don't do it every day, so they don't understand – um, in the international market, it's at times, you know, guys make, you know, you know, uh, you sign a guy at 16 years old. The guys are real young. You know, we have to take a lot into consideration. Number one is sometimes you go to a tournament, the kid's 16 years old, and you have to make a quick decision on the guy. The guy may have been hurt. The guy may have been this different reasons. Now you look at a guy and you say, geez, I got to make a decision. He's ready to sign. You know, I'm sitting here at a tournament. I'm looking at the Dodgers scout, who's a good friend of mine, and I'm looking at the Mets scout, and I'm looking at the Yankee scout, and I'm and I'm saying, well, who's going to make the first call on you know throwing out money out there? <laughs> and sometimes when you see a guy's tools, you want to jump on the guy, and sometimes you just kind of say, well, I don't know what his makeup is, but his tools are so good. So even so, the, the bottom line, what it comes down to is, it's kind of a tricky deal. Ninety percent, ninety, I'd say ninety-five percent of the time. I do the due diligence to back up, make sure our scouts know the player. When we like a player, we find out about the family. We see where he comes from, you know, what kind of, you know, habits he has. 
you know, all the things that are important, especially if we're going to give a guy, you know, quite a sum of money. We want to make sure that he's the right kid for the Philadelphia Phillies. And we want to make sure that he has great makeup for the Philadelphia Phillies organization. Um, At times, it's difficult to do that. But I think overall, we do the best job we can to find out everything we can. I, I will get, I could tell you this, I will get very upset if somebody tells me a kid has tremendous makeup and when he comes, he doesn't have good work ethic because as you know, in baseball, if you don't have good work ethic, you won't go too far. Well, you know and, what I mean? And you, so we need to know those things. You mentioned the personality and the family, and that's one of the things that Jeff and I have been most impressed by going around to the teams is is some of these players, how, how mature they are and how grounded they are. And it seems like you you look for that as much as their ability to play. It It is that work ethic. It is that that drive to buy in and be the best that you seem to try and identify along with those those good uh, base to build off of from the experience that they have from their parents is if there's a ranking system what's the most important thing obviously they have to have a skill set but if they have a skill set and they they can't process it or they don't have the grounding the skills will be a waste what's the most important factor that you kind of rank as you go through that well i mean obviously there's a lot of different things number one is you know you know how stable is he like how how is his family life you know uh you know, is he is he a kid that, I mean, if he spends some time, fortunately, Major League Baseball allows us to keep a kid in the academy for 30 days. We're there for 15 days. We get to know the kid. Our coaches, our managers, they understand what we have to do. And we work together with Manny Amador and, you know, Carlos Salas and all the coaches, Lester Stryker. They have so much experience down there. If I leave a kid at the academy, sometimes when I'm there, they show their best behavior. When I'm not there, you know what I mean? You know, maybe they'll, you know, the guys will get to know. I, I get to know whether the guy's a hard worker. But if you're going to ask me the first, the number one thing, for me, it's work ethic. I mean, the bottom line, look, the bottom line is you have to have ability. And the guys we all see have a certain amount of ability. We bring guys to the academy with ability. But the bottom line is if a guy doesn't have a, a good work ethic and, you know, doesn't have a good mindset, he's not going to, you know, he has some bad habits, whatever they may be, um, you know, that guy's not. It's going to be. Tr- it's going to be tough for him to make it, because you know it, it's so hard to make it. So if a guy, you know, doesn't work hard and doesn't give you 100% every day, the guy that works harder winds up being better than him, and the coaches don't even want to put up with guys that don't want to work hard. I mean, it's just too much. It's a long day. So anyway, you know, what, what I'm saying is, I think the work ethic. You know, it's always going to help with talent. If you have talent and work ethic, you wind up being a superstar, in my opinion, or a very good player. That's just my opinion. Yeah, and, e- and even if you have the talent and the work ethic, there's so many other players that that you you deal with that have a similar level of talent and work ethic. Correct. And and, and you know, with with the guys that get drafted like this year, like Alec Bohm, he's he's already been through sure. college. He's he's a lot more mature. Sure. He's obviously closer to the majors. How is it that that you have to participate in getting the organization to be patient with these guys? Because they're, I mean, some of the guys that we look at, that we go down and see, they've been in the organization since they were 16. Sir Anthony sure. Dominguez is now 23, and he's right. he's he's budding. So it, does there come a time where you have to sit down as the organization and your staff? And and have these tough discussions and almost have to to be advocates for these these young men 
as to look, you got to be more patient. Just with be them. a little more patient. Yeah, a little well, while longer. Well, like, like, like you know, we right. pre- we preach that on the show a lot because everybody wanted to give up like on Mickey Moniak after five minutes, and it turns out now he's turning <laughs> it around. And Jalen, uh, Jalen Ortiz, who you may have had a lot to do with, sure. he, he had a little tough beginning, and now he's turning it on. But it requires a level of patience. That that how do you deal with that, and how do you that, educate? That with the all team? due respect, Phillies fans don't often have. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know that's another great question. The the bottom line is this: Joe Jordan's our minor league director. You know, with Brian Minetti, who's now here, and Matt, and all the guys involved. And I'll be I'll be quite frank with you. You know, you guys know I've been with the Phillies for almost thirty years now. I, I got traded here in nineteen eighty nine from the Cardinals, and I've been here for. I will say this, and and, and it's not. Just, just kind of saying it to say it. It's the honest to God truth is that our minor league people with Manzalino and all the guys that are out there, Andy Abad and Joe Jordan, they understand. First of all, Joe Jordan was a scouting director. He understands patience. Um, I think these guys trust me and our staff. We have a great relationship with the minor leagues. I mean, when I go in there, I'm, I'm in there every spring training. I give them my opinion. If I give my opinion, they all listen. Um, they, they put guys where we think they should go. We talk. They put guys where they think they should go. We all work together. And to be quite frank with you, that's what you need to have. I, I feel nothing. Like if there's something I don't see I, see, I call and I say, hey, Joe, you know, this kid, I think, you know, you could do a little better. We're bringing him over. Joe Or Joe will call me and we'll talk about a kid coming over from the Dominican Republic. We have a great relationship. We don't take things personal. I think that the overall atmosphere with the Phillies is, is a family. I think uh, we all get along. And, I mean, is there times we get in arguments about players? We really get in arguments. I think we all know the players that are good. Um, but overall, I just think that, yeah, the people get tired of looking at a guy occasionally. Yeah, I think that one thing I will tell you is that the Philadelphia Phillies will exhaust a player with talent to the end. I really believe that. And I think that it's a testament to our minor league staff because, you know, it really is. If I called him up tomorrow and said, hey, Joe, let's do this with this guy. He'd say, okay, let's, you know, I'll see what you're saying. Well, let's work it out. You know, it's, it's not that. There's not a lot of ego involved. So that's what makes it all work. And I think it's evident at the big league level, you know, with all the young guys we have up there and the talent we have, I think we've been fortunate enough with our minor league people. And I think it's all a family and it's a very good system between scouting and development, usually scouting and development. On heads, but not here. So you've you've come a long way because in '93, when you, they asked you to be a scout, <laughs> I read that yeah. your response was, "The only thing I know about scouting is that it's old guys in chairs." So, <laughs> so it seems, I got heat on that one. It seems like you've gotten <laughs> past that and and come around. And I mean, it seems like you've really not only developed yourself, but I mean, I like to hear how you credit other people. To me, that's a sign of good leadership. Well, somebody who, who, who gives credit rather than takes credit. And, and it's what's most impressive is the team that you've put around yourself. Because clearly you can't find all these people by yourself. But to delegate the no. responsibility to other people and then trust them that they're going to bring you somebody that isn't going to put you out on the line, what was it like to sort of make that adjustment and build that system up for you personally? Well, you know, it all started, it was, it was funny because I'm Italian, obviously. <laughs> My name's Chucky. I mean, you guys could kind of figure that out, but, you know, I took Spanish. I have a degree in Spanish and I've always, you know, played in the minor leagues. It was easy because, you know, my parents were both from Italy and I spoke Italian. It was a very easy transition to, you know, kind of pick up Spanish and, 
And my father always told me, hey, take Spanish because, you know, Italy's one country and you could take Spanish. And, you know, as, as I went along, I, you know, I met a lot of the Spanish guys and, and we, we wound up being, you know, good friends. And, and, and I got lucky enough to, to be in the position I am by, by basically, you know, learning the, 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 the language. You follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, uh, basically at the end of the day, that's, I think that that's what got me to be, you know, to be where I am. And I, I got to give thanks to a guy like Mike Arbuckle who allowed me to hire the people, you know, back then when I started, you know, you know, and, and build a staff. It was hard to do it. But at the end of the day, little by little by little, you know, you, you kind of figure out the, the qualities and people that I play with. I try to hire guys that I play with in the minor leagues um, that had good work ethic. And then me and Jesus Mendez, Chalau Mendez, uh, would, would sit down and talk about the people. And, you know, anybody I really wanted to go with, Benny Looper, we'd sit down and we'd talk about guys. And, you know, we'd hire the guys that we thought were best for the job. And I, it was difficult. It took a long period of time. But one thing I do, you know, think that overall is cohesiveness over a period of time. We've kept our group together so long. And to keep this group is so important. And I think over a period of time, if you can keep a group together, that has ability and the people have work ethics and they love the organization and they love the way they're treated. You have to treat people good. If you treat them good, they'll treat you good. And the organization has treated us well and they've treated all our staff. And we continue to add, like what Brian Minetti always says, it's one thing he's always like, hey, Sal, let's always find the best people. And as we go along, we just keep hiring good people and they make us look good. So. That's why I always give kudos to those people. So it's been a little bit of, you know, it's been, it's been hard. It's been a long period of time. It's been 21 years, 22 years. But, you know, over the period of time, you know, we've got, I think we've gotten to the staff where we're pretty good at what we do. I mean, just as well as we can be. As you can probably tell, we are very interested in the process and the struggles that, that you help players overcome. And we'd love to have you back on again in the future to talk a little more about it because it's fascinating to us. We really appreciate the time today, Sal. No, I appreciate you guys having me on. And, uh, you know, I know we get talking a little bit. I love talking about ball. Anytime you guys want me, I'm always free to talk to you guys. I just want to always thank all the guys that work for me and the guys that are above me. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're all working this together. And uh, hopefully we'll continue to put some – Hope we get another ring. That's what I'm looking for. That's what we want. We'll thank all the guys above you, all the guys working with you, and and thank you for your time. We'll definitely call you again, Sal. Thanks so much. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Have a great one. Jeff, I could talk to him all day long. I I just, I mean, I love the stories, hearing about it. Um, It's It's the people behind the scenes that have to do all of this work that make what we see turn out to be what we love. I enjoyed your question about patience. It, because it's not always the best virtue of fans. Fans in general. How many how many Phillies fans would have waited for Sir Anthony Dominguez at 16? Well, now and say 7 years later, now he's, you know, blown people away. Now they're definitely happy about it. So I'm glad we got to talk to him. Uh we will be on next week and then we'll be headed out to Lehigh Valley again. So we'll have plenty more for you. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.